Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melly. This week's guest is Matt Yano of Under Armour and Dark Sky Distance. Matt is a 211 marathoner who has represented the U.S. internationally at the World Half Marathon Championships and has competed on the elite level in four of the six Abbott World Marathon majors. Matt is a New York native who ran collegiately for the University of Richmond, where he was an All-American, and he now lives and trains in Flagstaff, Arizona with his boyfriend and two dogs. Matt came on the podcast to share his acquired wisdom and experience as he trains for his 11th marathon as a professional runner, as well as his unique perspective on the changing landscape for queer athletes and pretty much everything in between. We also covered HGTV, dog miles, beginning our careers in swimming, and track versus road racing. This episode was brought to you by the Under Armour All Out Mile. It's not too late to sign up for a free and fast mile this month as part of the Sidious Mag team. You can go to uaalloutmile.com slash runyourmouth to sign up for the chance to win awesome prizes, including cash. We've had a lot of fun promoting this awesome virtual race and community event all month, and if you want a quick, easy way to support the podcast, you can take five minutes to sign up and join the Sidious team. Enjoy the episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review all the other ways you can support the podcast. And uh, in the meantime, this has been Run Your Mouth. Awesome. Well, welcome to Run Your Mouth, long run talk for long talking runners. I'm your host, David Melly, and I'm here this week uh, with a great guest, uh, Dark Sky Distances, Matt Yana. How's it going? It's great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. Uh, how, uh, how are you feeling after the race last weekend? Pretty good. Yeah, I had um, I did two races back-to-back weekends. So I did the, the U.S. 20K Championships in New Haven, Connecticut there, you know, obviously where I saw you and then, um, did the U S 10 mile as well. So that was six days later. I was a little tired. Um, legs were a little beat up, but, uh, that was kind of the point of, you know, what we were trying to do. I'm running a marathon this fall. So we kind of wanted to simulate trying to run fast on tired legs, which was the whole idea of running two longer races on back-to-back weekends. So I think we accomplished that goal. Nice. And uh, I, I think the cat's out of the bag yet, right? It, it, the announcement of the marathon. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I haven't really talked about it specifically, but um, yes, I'm running New York City Marathon. Um, so it'll be nice to, I ran it in 2016, um, kind of in the midst of some injuries that I was going through and it, it started like another cycle of injuries for me. So um wasn't a good race for me at the time but i'm excited to go back and hopefully have some redemption and it's you know my home state it's where i where i was born and where i grew up for the first couple years and um so to go back and hopefully rewrite my story of my experience with the new york city marathon um you know that's that's what i'm hoping to do this time around so that was five years ago that i was there last um and you know going there on november 7th to um again try to just rewrite that story for myself time flies i feel like that was like not even that long ago at all i know all of a sudden 2016 um so you're working your way through the majors so you because you've done berlin new york mm-hmm. you've done chicago yep yep i've done berlin new york chicago and tokyo um and i still have boston and london to go 
Um, so is that a, hope, I was going to say, is that a career bucket list? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's something um, I definitely want to try to get to all of them while I'm still running professionally and, you know, try to have good experiences with all of them and um, compete well at each one. And so I have a couple I have to go back to <laughs> and like hit up a second time that, you know, maybe my first experience wasn't all that great, but um, welcome to the marathon. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely on my list to get that six star medal and um, try to try to do it while I'm still, you know, running at a high level and not just um, jogging it, but, you know, hopefully, for years to come, I, I hope to just continue to go to all these events. And uh, even when I can no longer, you know, run fast and try and compete at a high level, like just to try to, to try to cover the distance and just run for the love of it, you know, get back to the roots of why I started to begin with. Yeah. Do you have a favorite marathon that you've run so far? Oh, um, I mean, I, I have, done Berlin a couple times and I've had really good experiences both the times that I've been there um so maybe that one would would be leading the charge if you had you know if you had to force me to answer one but there's still a lot that I haven't experienced and there's still a lot that I'm looking forward to um you know a lot of races I'm looking forward to getting to in the future and um really really excited to run Boston I've run the course actually twice um just as training runs in preparation for you know, competing there at some point, but, um, haven't, haven't done that yet, but I anticipate I'll really like that one. Um, love New York city. I mean, it's, it's hard to pick any one in particular, but I think, you know, based on like how I've performed in them and, you know, therefore how I feel coming out of those, you know, <laughs> Probably my, my you a little. <laughs> yes, exa exactly, exactly. So I, I, if I, if I was forced to answer a question or that question, I would probably say Berlin, um, but again, every, every, every starting line that I step on, I'm, I'm hoping that that's going to be my new favorite one. Um, so maybe, maybe I'll have a different answer for you in a couple months. <laughs> yeah. Um, if I, my roommate ran Berlin a couple of years ago and, um, she said the hardest part was realizing that everything is marked in case and you have yeah. to like rewire your brain to figuring out. Yeah. What goal K I, paces. <laughs> yeah. I was having that conversation with a couple people recently, actually. And it's, it's, it's interesting because you can, it can really work in your favor. If, if the race is, is going well, like it can give you that feedback more often and you can, you know, be really dialed in more frequently. Um, but as soon as it, if it starts going south at some point, then you're not wanting to see those splits <laughs> as they gradually slow down. And so getting them every, you know, three minutes or whatever it might be. Um, you might not want to have that, but, uh, the, the other way that I explained it to someone was that it gives you an opportunity. It gives your mind something to focus on. Like instead of knowing exactly what mile splits it has to be, um, you know, you're having to do math between each marker, which maybe can occupy a little bit of your time and, uh, and your mind space and your energy and, and all those you know, 26 miles. So it could work out really well for some people. Um, I don't remember. I, I think the last time I ran it, I kind of, I don't think I checked my watch until we were at like 16 or 18 miles. Like we, we just had a little group um, that I knew we had a couple pacers and I knew that I just wanted to be with a group for as long as possible. And it was, if they were going to run 
2.10 pace, I was going to do that. If they were going to run to 11.30 pace, I was going to do that. And, you know, I just, I didn't want to be alone. So um, I didn't look at my watch until fairly late in the race. Um, so I wasn't even thinking about splits. I was just, you know, trying to calm my mind and, you know, just, just throw everything out, you know, throw everything out the window and not really be thinking about anything, but, you know, except getting to the next bottle. Um, but, you know, different, obviously different people have different approaches to what they think about and how they pass the mile. No, that's, that's definitely a good, uh, a good sign in my mind. If you're not checking your watch, I, I can definitely, uh, find a correlation between like how often I'm checking my watch on like a long run and how well it's going. Oh yeah. Uh, I was, Oh God. When I, cause I've only run one marathon and when I did CIM in 2019, I had like a great 35 K and then like a rough last 5k <laughs> and yeah. that mile 25 i like distinctly remember being like checking my watch and being like 25.4 and then like checking my watch again and be like 25.5 uh, <laughs> oh, no. when is it over <laughs> yeah i had a i had a similar cim experience uh the year before that in 2018 where it was going great for about 23 miles um and those last couple just really really dragged on and that's that's the marathon though you know you never you never really well i, I shouldn't say never you can't always predict um how you're going to feel in those last couple of miles so it's like you control what you can and sometimes that monkey's going to jump on your back whether you want it to or not in those last few miles but you're so yeah. how many marathons total have you done Oh man. Uh, you've been in the game a while, a while in, in terms of yeah. moving to the marathon relatively young ish. Yeah. I, interesting fact, my first marathon, the day that I ran my first marathon, I was exactly 26.2 years old. <laughs> I think that's like, <laughs> that's exactly awesome. like to the day. Um, but yeah, that was a while ago. Uh, that was seven years ago. Um, I think I've run, I think I've run 10 now. So New York, I think will be my 11th. Yeah. Nice. That's a good, that's a, a pretty good stat. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's, um, I'm, I'm still, it's, it's with a marathon though, like you learn something different every time out. So it's not like, um, you know, I, I read, gosh, I don't even, this time vortex that we're in right now. Like, I don't remember when it was, but I ran Neb's book, 26 marathon a couple of years ago. Um, which I just found fascinating, like the way that he walked through each marathon and how different his experience was every time and how different each buildup was and how, you know, he learned something every time out there. And you think, I feel like you think of these veterans of the marathon as like, it, the experience is just the same for them every time they go out there. And, you know, it's just always dialed in. They always know what's going to happen. They always know how it's going to go. And you just don't, um, which I think is maybe part of the allure of it for a lot of people. But um, I'm still learning with everyone and, and like, it's still, um, some come a little easier than others, but, uh, I don't know. The marathon is just such a, such a beast that, um, you can never, regardless of how many you run, how experienced you think you are, like, I don't feel like you can ever really take it for granted or, or think that you have it totally figured out and that you've, you know, you've got the marathon beat because it'll, it'll always humble you. Um, one way or another it's it's always going to win in some way um but that's i think one of the things that so many people love about it yeah and especially i mean the roads too uh, unless you're doing one of those like insane like treadmill marathons or like indoor track ones it's like the course itself i guess uh, you know it lends 
you know, there's sort of a, a give and take of like, not only are you just giving what your body can give, but like the course is kind of a factor in it too. And like, I know for me, like shifting to the longer ish distances was like in large part a product of just being like, I'm so tired of just like going out running 1500 every weekend trying to run like one second faster, you know, <laughs> and yeah. just having the same thing over and over. But um, yeah, blessing and a curse. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people have that experience too, of, of running in college um, or at least maybe, maybe at the professional level or, or, you know, like elite level is like you run in college and you think that you just have to keep doing the same thing that you've done through high school and college and stay on the track. And um, I just know so many people who get so burnt out of doing that. Um, and then, but for some reason have this hesitation of shifting to the roads and they feel like it's closing a chapter that they're not ready to close yet. And um, I have a couple of friends right now who are going through that, that just the last couple of years, you can tell that they've just hated being on the track, but just some, something still makes them do it. Um, and I just, I always kind of encourage them to just go try some road races. I'm like, it's a, a totally different community. It's a different vibe. It's a different atmosphere. And, um, great example this weekend of this past weekend of Jenny Simpson, uh, switching from 1500 to the U S 10 mile championships and just talking about her experience of just the, the atmosphere and how different it was from running circles on a track. Um, so it's just, it's always something I try to encourage people to do if they're feeling, stale in their running or, or in their track careers or um or just doing the same event even if it's something on the road um you know just try something new and sometimes the roads or cross country or you know anything like that can sometimes just breathe that little bit of life into the training and into the racing that you know they may have thought that they lost previously yeah. so, so it's good, it good enough for jenny it's good enough for you yeah exactly <laughs> honestly yeah take, yeah take a page out of her book yeah. Did, uh, what was it for you? Like, what was the kind of like switching moment or if, if there was a moment? Yeah, I think I knew, I mean, I knew in college that my, my, um, niche was eventually going to be the marathon. And so I, looking back on it now, I, I wish that I had done things a little bit differently. I wish that I had focused more on like 5k, 10k speed, um, and that development. But I, um, I went from being kind of like a mediocre high school runner to having some success at the NCAA level in college. Um, but always was, was looking toward like down the road. I was always looking at the marathon. I was like always, uh, at least once I got to college, I was pretty a high mileage runner. Um, and I think looking back on that now, I sacrificed running faster in the 5k and 10k because I just was running so many miles. Um, but, uh, yeah, so for me, it was, it wasn't really like any one, you know, moment, any one particular track race where I was like, oh, man, I just don't want to do that anymore. Um, mm -hmm. but it was kind of just this, this, uh, underlying feeling that I always had that my, my real kind of forte was going to be the longer stuff. And so, um, I stayed well after college, I, I transitioned over to the roads fairly quickly uh, well, very quickly. Um, and then waited, I don't know, three years. My first marathon was in 2014. I graduated in 2011. Yeah. So, so three and a half years, give or take. Um, and 
but I still miss the track. You know, I, I, when I watch like Peyton Jordan every year or, uh, you watch certain or the Olympics, certainly like you watch certain events that you're just like, man, I could, I can do that again. Like I can get back out there. And, um, but then I think of like, for me, having been so focused on the marathon for so long, that short stuff, like, oh man, it takes a while for that to come back for me. Like I'm not the kind of, I can't step on the track for like two or three sessions. And it's like, you know, I'm going to go run sub 28 minutes or something. Like I would need like probably a dedicated two years of, of track and speed work to be able to like, you know, put up, um, a time that, that, uh, <laughs> would be worthwhile. Um, so we don't, we don't really focus on that now, but, uh, it's still a good stimulus in training. We still do incorporate track stuff. And, um, I don't know that I'll compete on the track anymore, but if I did, it would be like, you know, for the, for the, for the ultimate goal of getting faster in the marathon. So sometimes you sacrifice that shorter stuff for the greater goal, but, uh, yeah, it wasn't any one particular moment for me. It was just kind of like a gradual realization of like, I wasn't really enjoying the track anymore. You know, I would, I would dread, um, 10 Ks on the track if it wasn't, you know, like, a some kind of championship event. Um, and so I just, I just moved away from it and haven't missed it all that much, except those couple times every spring when there's like a fun track meet on TV that mm-hmm. uh, kind of sucks you back in and gives you some kind of nostalgia that you could ever do that again. Uh, yeah. Getting to watch trials at Hayward this year was kind of like that for me, where I was like, oh, I, I, I know I want to run fast in the marathon and like, I'm committed to that goal, but just like watching an awesome track meet, there's just, there's nothing like it, but it sucks you back (laughs) in. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's, I agree. I I watched the track trials in 2016 in person. um, And it was the same thing for me. I just was so in a way I was so envious of, of everyone who was competing, but then it was also, you know, a hundred degrees in Eugene that year and people just, dropping like flies out of that 10k um i still can like picture it so vividly but um yeah i in the moment i i didn't i didn't miss the conditions they were running in but i still was just like feeling very drawn in and very nostalgic for you know being out there and and that kind of communal suffering that everybody knew what everybody else was going through in that race and um i i do miss that that feeling sometimes on the track so when you, so how much were you running in college when you, you were doing that high mileage early? Well, this was kind of, this was before, uh, GPS watches were so <laughs> prominent. You know, if you had a GPS watch at the time, it was like the size of your whole fist, you know, but, um, so I don't, I think it was around probably 110 to 120 miles, but that could be a little generous. You know, it was like a, 110, was, but like, really it was like 95. <laughs> yeah, it could have been. I don't, we, we used like, um, we used map my run a lot. And oh, yeah. So we would kind of, we would go back and we would try to map stuff out. And, but sometimes it was, you know, I, I don't know. It, it was a ballpark. It was a ballpark. I think um, some of our mileage might've been a little bit inflated, but we probably weren't that far off. We had, um, uh, heated debates in college uh, about the length of our different loops because like Ithaca oh, is yeah. there's so many trails which is like great for training but at the same time you know it's like even if you had a GPS watch like it doesn't really actually work 
and our like our 10 mile loop was well our 10 mile loop the debate was always like is it like 9.3 is it 10.5 like everyone had a strong opinion over like how long (laughs) or short it was and then a couple of years ago, I went back and like mapped it pretty meticulously on that on map I run. And it ended up being like, you know, like 9.95 or something. I was oh, like, wow. okay, good. Like, I'm glad I wasn't just like, you know, shorting my mileage, like retroactively five miles a yeah. week or something. But I don't know that I'd ever want to go back and, and really examine it that closely. I, we, when I was in college though, we ran by time. We, we ran on minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, which, so, you know, we would go out for, you know, whatever, a 70 minute run. Um, and so it didn't really matter that much. It was more just time on your feet, but um, there was always the debate of like one person on the team, put it in their log as 9.4, exactly like you're saying, <laughs> somebody else put it in their log as 10.5. And then it was like, we definitely weren't running that fast, you know, just, the, you know, yeah, um, and then at the, and then- ongoing debate. It's just mostly to pass the time at a certain point of like, just like, sure, like this was, you know, the this got us through 20 minutes of our long run of just like arguing over how long the run was. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That's got to well, be I, like a, 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 a forgotten pastime now of like, because I'm sure everybody in college now has GPS watches and Apple watches and garments and all that stuff. So I'm sure there's, there's little debate now probably, but, uh, when I was in college <laughs> forever ago, yeah, I was uh, gonna say we sound old now, but <laughs> I know, I think I had like a basic, I don't know, a basic Timex or something that was just like a pretty basic function watch. I held out for a long time anti-GPS watch and then it was only like yep. two or three years ago Same. that I, I finally caved but oh <laughs> uh, yeah that's more recent I think my first GPS watch was like yeah maybe 20 2014 or 2015 but, it goes with training for the marathon too I think it's yes. like you're just doing yep. so much more stuff where you're like I'm not just doing laps around the track I actually need to know like how fast I'm yeah. running when I'm running yeah so yeah can understand that for sure when you, so what, um, so you grew up in New York. Um, yes. What brought you to Richmond for college? Well, so I grew up in New York, um, but I moved, my family moved to Virginia when I was, I think, six, five or six. Um, and then I went to high school in Maryland. So we, we kind of bounced around the East Coast a little bit. But um, when I started looking at schools when I was in high school, um, I was, I was looking pretty fairly close to home within a couple hours of home. And, um, Richmond was on that list. My brother is two years older than me and he had looked at Richmond. Um, he had gone on a visit there and, um, he ended up going to university of Maryland, but, um, I, I think I put it on my list, you know, just kind of initially because he had looked there and I, I think I had gotten a letter from, the coach at Richmond at some point. And so, you know, that kind of added it onto my list again also. So it kind of popped up a couple of times. Um, and then once I went and visited, it's just a, it's a stunning campus. Like it's, it's beautiful, like brick buildings that all match, like the style, even the new buildings now, they match the style of, you know, when the school was originally built and it's all just been maintained so meticulously and, um, so I loved the campus. Um, it was a team that they were division one, which wasn't really that important to me. I looked at other schools in division two and three as well, but 
um, it was a program that I felt like I could step into and like immediately have an impact. You know, I, I didn't want to just go to, go to a program that I was going to get lost in the shuffle and like chewed up and spit out the back. Um, I wanted to go somewhere that I could have an impact and, you know, be in the top seven and make a traveling squad. And, um, and I had that at Richmond, uh, and it was, you know, just, I clicked well with the coach and the team and, you know, it was just a good, everything just kind of felt right when I was on the campus there, when I visited. And so, um, any visits that I did after that, I was always comparing back to my experience at Richmond and, um, and there were always little things of like, I went on a visit somewhere else and I just really did not jive with the team. Um, so that like was really a, a turn off to me and I crossed that one off the list right away. And, um, yeah, it just, it, it felt like Richmond checked all the boxes for me at the time. And so, and I had a great experience there. I feel like that's a good, like recruiting trip word of wisdom is like the vibes it, like, even if you can't quantify what it is, I feel like a lot of people will say that of like, when you're going on trips, you know, you can always kind of tell like <laughs> whether it's like a good fit or a bad fit. And definitely yeah. uh, like, I, I felt that way about Cornell too, where I was like, I don't know what it is, but like, it feels right. in that, yeah. um, what you didn't say, uh, just as importantly, I feel like, uh, Richmond's mascot is, uh, gotta be a selling <laughs> point since the spiders are a pretty unique, uh, a pretty unique one. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I, uh, growing up, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't a big follower of like really any other sports. And so I didn't, I could not have told you before I went to Richmond that the mascot was a spider, but, uh, but certainly ever since I went there, um, if ever in conversation, it comes up that I went to Richmond, I'll, you know, the first thing that a lot of the old guys will say is, oh, the spiders, you know, and I'm <laughs> like, yeah, it's like the one thing people know about Richmond, but um, no, but it's great. And I think, I think, I think you're spot on, like, sometimes it's a feeling that you just have to trust that gut intuition. And, and, um, you know, for me, it wasn't, I, I, I get questions every now and then about like do you wish you had gone somewhere else like had you gone to like a, a bigger you know kind of a, a school more for the running component like um I don't know one of the big Stanford Oregon any of the Arkansas like any you know bigger schools um but I think for me that just probably wouldn't have been the right call you know I think mm -hmm. I was I was pretty focused on academics uh, in high school and college. And so I felt Richmond had a good balance of the two and, you know, I could still put a lot of emphasis on running, but, um, you know, I, I, school was important to me also, you know, I had, I, I had three majors. And so I, like, obviously I wasn't just dilly dallying, like just, uh, going three majors. What, just, what were the three majors? Yeah. Well, so I, I, I kind of, bounced around to a couple different things early in my in my college experience but um eventually ended up settling with um uh psychology and latin american and iberian studies which is basically spanish but it was less emphasis on just the language and more about the culture and literature and arts and stuff like that um and then theater as well yeah so kind of a balance of like just various things that I was interested in. Um, and I'll probably never use any of those degrees, <laughs> which is a whole, a whole nother debate for like a whole nother. You never know. But that's... you never know. You, that's true. You don't. Do you, um, are you fluent in Spanish? 
I used to be. Yeah, I. It's one of those that, like my my dad's side of my family is is Spanish, um, and so that's part of why I wanted to study it. And um, I did a study abroad in Spain, and I was became fluent when I was there. Um, but then when I came back, you know, and especially over the last ten years since I graduated from college, um, I just I just don't speak it. So I can still um, read it pretty well. I can write it okay but speaking now i just i've lost all confidence in my lost, ability lost the muscle memory for it yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but we did a I, when i ran berlin um in 2019 i uh my family came my parents came over my boyfriend came over and uh we did a, a vacation in barcelona afterwards and um it was it was a nice like uh I don't know, time for me to, to start to flex that muscle a little bit and, you know, going to a restaurant and being able to read the menu to my family and, and communicate with the waiters and, you know, just like starting to get it back. Yeah. Yeah. Starting to get it back. So I think if I were to immerse myself again, I think I could get it back. Um, but it would, it would probably take a little bit of work at this point. So I have to ask as a theater major, were you a theater kid in high school? No. Um, I, I was hoping you were you were basically going to be the Troy Bolton of your high school, like cross country <laughs> star, star of the musical. <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't. I think um, I don't know. I, I I don't even know really like what what made me get into it in college. Um, I think it was just one of those things where like I wanted to take a class as an elective, and then I liked it. I liked the department. I liked the people there. Um, and I liked the subject, um, but I really, and I did a lot with theater, but I, but I did more like the product, like the, um, stage management production side of things, um, which Building I don't know. sets I, and like lighting everything and stuff like that. Yes, exactly. Sound design, lighting design. So yeah, all that stuff. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe it was just my high school too. Like, I don't feel like we really had a very robust theater department maybe we did and I just had no idea about it but I was just so like enveloped in the athletic and academic stuff in high school you know it was just like I didn't have time for anything else I you know I played soccer I ran track I I was a year-round swimmer for a while like I just I was doing so many other things that it just it just didn't leave any time in the day for anything else and like even in college most of like any kind of theater rehearsals or anything were always at like 10 o'clock at night, which I just couldn't like, we practiced at seven in the morning and I just, you know, I was like, there's no way that I can go do a theater rehearsal from 10 PM to 1 AM and then be up at six or five 30 or whatever to go run a hard workout. Like I'm burning the candle from both ends. Like I can't do it all. Um, So yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't into it, but it just gradually, it it just like was a subject that piqued my interest. And then I took a class and I liked it and kind of just kept going down that road. And once I decided to do a fifth year, um, at Richmond, I, 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 because of, I don't know if it's still the same, but because of academic requirements at the time, you had to be taking like whatever X, X percentage of your classes had to be going towards a major. And so I had to bump up, you know, some of the 
some of the things that I was maybe just going to take three or four classes um, or maybe get a minor in, I had to end up bumping it up to a major. And um, anyways, it was all just the, the rest is the history of running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to ask you because you piqued my interest as a former swimmer myself. What was your stroke when you were a swimmer? Oh man, probably breaststroke. Uh, it took me. I was my it, weakness. Like, That's like the, oh, I'm so bad at breaststroke. <laughs> favorite. I. It took me a long time. Like if you had asked me when I was younger, it probably would have been backstroke. Um, I was never. I could never figure out the rhythm of butterfly. I could never get it. I was so envious of like some of the teammates that I had that just like glided through the water and just looked so effortless. And I was just like clunky and I could just <laughs> never figure it out. But um, yeah, I, I had a really, I had a great coach uh, when I was younger and, and she, I think she was a breaststroker when she was younger. And so it was just kind of the thing that came natural to her to kind of like mentor somebody into. And once I figured out like the rhythm of breaststroke, oh, I, just, I, I still like, I go to the, I'm a member of the NAU pool here in flag mm -hmm. and um, I go and I run, I, I uh, do like some swimming workouts and some aqua jogging there after workouts here um, in marathon training. And I'll still just take out, you know, a couple hundred meters of breaststroke each time. And I just still love it. There's just something so like calming about it to me. Um, but I, I just, I love to keep it in my routine. Yeah. See, I was, I was a butter, I'm the opposite. I was butterfly and, uh, and I was like decent at back. So when I, when I would do the IM, I would like oh. be like great to the first two legs and I get to the breaststroke and like, it was, it was just a march of death. I, <laughs> I could not like get the forward motion going with, with breaststrokes. So it was not a, yeah. not a strong suit. <laughs> Um, well, I used to teach swimming lessons too. So next time you're out in flag, I'll take you to NAU pool and I'll, uh, I'll show you. A few oh, things. nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always say like, if I, God forbid, knock on wood, but like, if I get really hurt, um, you know, I, aqua jogging is so tedious to me that I'm like, I'm just going to do some workouts. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll Maybe just get back in the pool. I thought about it. I, so at, in college, I was like, I told, I was like, okay, this is my four years of running. And then like after college tries, like, you know, you figure you're like, oh, I can do the running. I can do the swimming. How hard can it be? And then the problem is that when you actually think about training for triathlons, it's like, it's like, it's a lot of, not only is a lot of time commitment, not only is like bike stuff is all expensive, but mm -hmm. like, I always say like running is the laziest sport in that you can always like w put on your shoes on walk out your door and run whereas like right. getting up at 5 a.m going to a pool like going on a three-hour ride like there's too many steps and like especially when I was like trying to like work right out of college like and like get used to that and running I'm like I don't have the energy to like also add in <laughs> two other disciplines of training but yeah I think no, that ship I, has sailed maybe for fun. I've done like sprint triathlons for fun that, that are always like fun. Cause they're, they're like on the Cape and you can do like a nice, um, ocean swim and stuff, but yeah, I want to do that. I've, I've never done one, but, um, I was a swimmer for a long time before I was a runner. And, um, it, like you said, I think I could pick up the biking, but, um, it's, you know, I don't know if I'll ever do it competitively, but it's something I hope to do at some point, at least just for the experience of it. And, who knows? Maybe maybe when I'm done running at at the level I'm trying to run at, um, maybe I'll I'll segue into that and and just try and 
bring a, more, a little more balance into my life and yeah. instead of running running so much like feel like a little bit more of a complete athlete um yeah. i would say the two sports. the two things swimming has like left me with is bad posture and <laughs> like an extreme comfort with nudity <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> the the remnants Balance. of my swimming life yeah 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 um before we move on from richmond so i know I know a couple of guys who've run for Richmond and it's my understanding that at least in the past couple of years, it's been a team with like a pretty significant queer population. Um, I, I don't know. Was that at all a thing when you were on the team or has that sort of evolved over time? I didn't even know that. Um, no, that was not, it was not a thing when I was there. Um, when I was there I'm trying to think, Myself and one other person on the team whom I dated for three and a half years. Um, and they're done that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the two of us. And then a couple years later, um, somebody else came out to me. Um, or maybe two other people came out to me a couple years later. Um, but yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't something that was all that common, uh, or at least outwardly common at the time. Um, and even the the guy that I was with at the time, like we didn't, we didn't tell anyone for like two and a half years. Um, you know, we had been dating for two and a half years of like, not, not that we were like in secret, but, um, you know, we just didn't talk about it. it you know, we just kept it to ourselves and, um, hopefully that has changed now. I think there's a lot more conversation and a lot more openness about, um, a lot of different things now, but, um, I'm, I'm hopeful that that's something, you know, at that level that, that has changed and that people can be, um, more authentically themselves and more openly themselves. Um, but that wasn't, you know, we didn't really feel all that comfortable at the time. And this was of course, you know, 15 years ago, um, which is wild to think about my freshman year of college being 15 years ago. Um, yeah, but but I wasn't aware that you know that more recently there maybe there's been like a little more um, representation. Well, I, I think that speaks great. to like how much so much has changed. Like even in the last couple of years, like I I do like very minimal, if any, like research for the podcast. But like I did actually pull <laughs> up uh, like your coming out video from whenever that was, 2014, mm -hmm. um, and I was just thinking like it does really feel like, again, like this is going to just make us sound old, but like there's has been like a real generational kind of tide turning, um, particularly I think in like the track and field world and, and, and probably the world in general. But like, mm -hmm. I feel like every, you know, everyone I know who's, you know, running in college, you know, everyone's team has, you know, a couple queer athletes on it and, um, it's nice to see. It makes me feel like, you know, it's like disconnected because it's so much more like nor not, not normalized isn't maybe the right word, but it's just so much more um, like mainstream now that that's kind of just right. taken as given, which is nice to see, but it's also very, very different. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, it's certainly nice to see in it. Um, but I, it, and in, in the same vein, it, it makes me feel a little, a little envious of people going to school now, you know, just, um, and not in a bad way, but, you know, they, um, just to, to be able to be more comfortable, um, being out and, and 
maybe exploring relationships or just more open. Um, I feel envious about that a little bit just because that wasn't, that wasn't my experience. And, um, but also, you know, I wouldn't necessarily change the way that things went for me. So it's, it's kind of this weird, you know, it's this weird internal struggle where I'm so happy for how far we've come. Um, and so happy to have been, I, I, I like to think anyway, like part of that conversation of like, you know, advancing, um, just openness and discussion, uh, in the running community or, or even, you know, even on a micro level, just my own team, when I came out to them, when I was still in school, um, and just starting to, um, open people's eyes a little bit and just, just have the conversations that nobody, nobody knew how to have them at the time. And I think it's getting easier and I think it's getting more comfortable. Um, and I'm just, I'm really grateful that we're to that place now. Um, yeah, and, and just happy that we've come so far. Yeah, one, one thing that um, Nikki and I talk about a decent amount, and, and I think we've talked about it on the podcast too, is like, you must as a, a you know, quote unquote, public figure, <laughs> um, I imagine, you know, you get the sort of the DMs, the messages from, mm-hmm. you know, young um, gay, gay runners, um, kind of like, reaching out for advice or reaching out, you know, to share their story or to say that your story touched theirs. Like, how do you process that sort of, I, I personally like, like can find it very like overwhelming sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's like too much power, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, that, that's a, an interesting kind of like thing that, that, you know, people in your position definitely have to deal with regularly. Yeah. I, I think it's, um, I, I started getting, I guess when I, when I put up that video back in 2014, I got, you know, kind of this huge influx of messages and mostly supportive. And, uh, but even, yeah, ever since then, I, I get stuff periodically, not only from young queer athletes, but also like coaches who had an athlete come out to them and they don't know, you know, how they can best support that athlete. And, you know, that's, that's like, a um, I don't know, a, a dynamic and a conversation that I really enjoy because you, mm-hmm. it's like just somebody who is just trying to figure out how they can be supportive and, and they just, they're, they don't have all the answers. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do, but they're willing to do the work to try and be there for that athlete. And um, I think just for people to be willing to be that vulnerable and, and, you know, willing to learn and just, you know, we don't all have to have the answers, but if you're willing to learn and put in some work and and figure out how best to support someone and be there for someone, um, I'm always here for a person like that. So, uh, but yeah, it can be, it can be overwhelming and um, strange. And just yesterday I got an email from somebody through my coaching company that um, they were researching coaches and training plans and they came across my story and and sent me a message um just saying that it resonated with them and they came out later in life and um it is it is this weird dynamic of like um to me it's just you know I'm just I can only share my experience I can't you know it's I can't be the one who speaks on behalf of all queer athletes um but uh I think when I break it down and and just think about it that way it's like this is just, this is just my life. I'm just telling someone how I navigated various obstacles and how I got through it. 
um, I think it makes it a lot more manageable that way instead of thinking like that I'm, you know, some self-important, I don't know, like icon or so. Like, I, I don't think that way at all. Um, it's just like, this is my story. It might resonate. It might not. Um, take it or leave it. You know what I mean? I think you have I, to I change your Instagram bio now to icon. Runner yeah. <laughs> icon. <laughs> Runner I Is that an option of like, instead of public figure, you can just say like, yeah, gay icon. icon <laughs> yes, definitely. If it's not, it should be. All um, right, let's, let's contact Instagram and have them do yeah. that. All right. Well, before we wrap up, I, this has been awesome, but we have to get a little uh, uh, silly because it wouldn't be run your mouth if we didn't just like completely go random. But um, uh, I, I don't have a name for this yet, but uh, basically, what are you drinking in the morning and what are you drinking in the evening? Coffee oh. and alcohol. What are, what are the what are the preferences? <laughs> um, well, it's funny you say that because I don't drink either. Um, okay well that might be but, a first for the podcast actually yeah. so let me see um yeah i'm more i'm more of a tea guy most of the time um, what kind of tea like yeah gr- green tea um there's a tea I'll, I'll go real specific if you want oh please uh, good there's a brand called good earth that's a it's a tea brand and they make one called matcha maker it's a it's a matcha green tea um best best green tea i've ever had and it's pretty much if i could choose it would be the only green tea that i would drink um hands down um so is that like a tea with breakfast like is that the move or is it like an yeah, all day that, every day that'd be a little more like a morning tea yeah mm-hmm. and then evening i'm just so boring i don't know water uh yeah it's you have a preferred seltzer brand i say as i sip polar <laughs> well yeah i wasn't i wasn't big into seltzer for a while i'm i'm not that particular i i don't um i went off soda when i was like 10 because i think i didn't like the fizziness um i'm coming back into that now but it's still like i like to make my my fizzy drinks go flat before I drink them. It's a, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a stupid thing, but um, yeah, not, not, I don't know, not huge on fizzy waters either, but uh, I don't know. I'm boring. (laughs) Yeah. Um, As a, uh, as a proud dog dad, um, which one of your dogs do you think would win in a mile? Okay. That's not the question I thought you were going to ask when you said, which one of your dogs? Um, uh, I was going to say, no, you can't pick favorites. It's like picking no, favorite children. Right, yeah. That's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I would um, never ask no, you to do that. <laughs> okay, good. No, I appreciate that. Well, so I have a boxer, um, a boxer mix and a Great Dane. And um, the boxer I run with, the Great Dane, I don't. So, okay. you so know, there's a training it's, you it's know, pretty, element here. <laughs> pretty easy answer. Yeah, it would be my boxer for sure, Harlow. You think you and Harlow, because they do, don't they? I think they do that in flag, right? They'll do like dog person mile races, yes. right? Have yes. you ever considered entering one with, with Harlow? <laughs> I haven't. I think it would be a tough battle with uh, Scott Smith's dog, Murphy. Um, him and Murphy probably have that locked down. But uh, no, I've never I've never done any of the um, the like dog running events, but maybe I'll get out there at some point and do it. Yeah, that maybe that can be the um, the one of the questions we ask uh, sometimes is the gimmick mile. So like a beer mile, like if you were to come up with a mile um, race, that can be anything you want. Dog mile already exists, but it seems like you're well equipped to you know yeah. thrive in that one. That'd be the one I would choose 10 times. Puppy mile. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. I love that. Awesome. Well, we wrap up uh, with the same three questions that we ask every guest. Um, I uh, can start off with your Instagram crush. Um, if you can say your boyfriend, but that's boring. So, you know, you got to be <laughs> a little creative here. Um, it doesn't have to be like a crush, um, like a, somebody you think is hot. I can be, um, but like, um, I have a couple uh, answers for this one, actually. Let's hear it. Yeah. So, so in the, in the kind of the most traditional sense of the answer, I would probably say Sean Mendez, sure. um, just Absolutely. celebrity crush, like no other. Um, but also I'm very into any kind of dog page. <laughs> I've recently gotten really into, um, I mentioned one of my dogs is a great Dane. And so I've gotten really into like the great Danes of Instagram, uh, rabbit holes. Um, so those are always entertaining to me. Um, and then anything, any kind of like, uh, before and after like house flipping kind of projects. I'm obsessed with. Of course, yeah. Um, Is that yeah. I don't know if you're on TikTok, but I feel like that's got to be. There's got to be a niche of TikTok that's like, here's the we remodeled the bathroom TikTok. Oh yeah, I'm sure there. <laughs> I'm not on TikTok, but I'm sure that there is something like that. But um, no, it's I. I've always just been. Uh, I don't know, in love with the idea of flipping houses, and I'm. I do real estate as well as running, and so I'm. I'm getting into that world a little bit, and I've done a lot of renovations on my house and uh i just love that whole world so it'd probably be those three would probably be my the way that i would have to answer the uh instagram crush are you a big hgtv guy yes what's the what's the favorite show (laughs) probably for a long time it was flip or flop um the with christina and Tarek. um they have since divorced which is like it makes it a little bit weird but they still do the show that's um, fascinating. That, I know it, it, it adds a whole nother layer to the show, but they also now each have their own individual shows, which are also very good. Uh, one is called Christina on the coast and one is called flipping one Oh one. Um, I'm just, yeah, I love all of it. I'll, I'll take in any of any of that kind of show, anything flipping. Sure. That's, I will say, uh, speaking of celebrities and fascinating, I agree with the Sean Mendes just in terms of pure attractiveness. But also I'm like weirdly, he's a fascinating public figure um, and is very, one of those things where surface level, it's like kind of one thing. And then you just dive down on, he has such an interesting, strange psyche. There's a great Rolling Stone profile of him that I will send you after the podcast. It's like, okay, it's a can of worms. That's all I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> it's a can of worms. Are you talking about Sean Mendes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 He's he's endlessly fascinating to me because I feel like there's, he's a good study in like um, a very manufactured public persona um, and how that affects you as a person. um, I think at least. Okay. I'm intrigued. Um, I, I I enjoyed his Netflix documentary. um, Wonder in wonder. I forgot what it was called. mm -hmm. I think it was in wonder. Um, very good, but I actually haven't seen that, so I'm going to have to watch it. Oh, it's I, good, yeah. All right, you send me your article, and I'll send perfect, you yeah. Show. Yeah, equal I, trade. Yeah. Equal um, trade. <laughs> great. Um, so next we have your go to karaoke song. Uh, someone hands you the mic, whether it's at Fifth Ave or after, after New- somebody should do karaoke after the New York Marathon. I feel like it's only fair, but well, I feel like Abdi would be the one who would always end up getting the mic at karaoke. 
in New York, but although I guess he's not running New York this year, but um, yeah. So there's a hole to fill, so you're up. <laughs> I know, yeah, there's, a, yeah. Uh, this one's a little tougher. I don't think I've ever done karaoke actually, but, um, and I wanna say something other than like, just a, a late 90s, early 2000s, like pop diva, because I feel like that's just too cliche. Um, but any, yeah, anything Mariah or Brittany or Christina or, um, but not answering it that way, probably like my favorite song as a kid, there were two. There's one, Runaway Train, Full Asylum. Sure. Like top five all-time favorite. That would probably be on there. Um, and then 500 Miles, although it wasn't called that. It was called, um, it was, God, what was it called? Um, by 500 the Miles, like by the, by the uh, Proclaimers, like I would yeah, walk 500 it, Miles. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't, it was like, it was called something else. Like, I think it's called I'm Gonna Be. Um, oh, I'm Gonna Be, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, you're right. That's, um, so it, maybe be one of those two. If not, you know, something like Whitney, Mariah, Brittany, any of those. Sure. The problem with yeah. those always is that they're, they're hard. I, at least I, I don't want to speak to your singing abilities, but I can't carry a tune to save my life. So like, I'm not going to try and sing like, I, I have nothing, you know? Like... But, that, but, but, but for, for the sake of argument, that makes it that much better of a song to do at karaoke because you know that you're not going to even... That's true. You know what? So you're not. You don't even have to try and match the tone because you or the tune because or the melody or I don't know the terms, but yeah. like because you know you can't, which makes it that much better of a you know reason to pick a song like that. I think you know if I'm we're saying? going, yeah, if we're going with that logic, I think I would go with "It's All Coming Back to Me Now" by Celine Dion because that song's mm -hmm. so theatrical that I feel like I could like. I might not be able to sing it, but I could perform it. And that would be like the, the <laughs> and value. Sometimes add. that's more yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That was, that's, that's my attitude towards karaoke is, is you can make up for the singing in, in different ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, and last but not least, your, your death row meal, you're going to the chair, you get to eat one last meal, anything you want. What are you eating? I'm a, I'm a fairly simple guy. Um, I, it would probably be like, just a really delicious pizza from, have you been to Flagstaff before? I have not, no. Okay, well. It's on the list. Flag, yeah, you have <laughs> to come to Flagstaff. Just uh, let me know when you do. But um, there's a place here called Pizzicletta that you've probably heard other people talk about before, but just phenomenal pizza. Um, and at, at this stage in my life, experiencing the things that I've experienced, I would say a delicious like pepperoni pizza from Pizzicletta um finished off with like a soft warm chocolate chip cookie and some like homemade gelato or something yeah i think it would be it, i'm pretty simple like it doesn't take much to make me happy with food so you know that if it's if it ain't broke don't fix it um yeah and, and i will say uh, we can add you to the list because uh Mo molly now that she's in flag full-time uh or mostly full-time has been trying to get me and Zach to come out there for months now. Um, and then our mutual friend, Henry Sterling, now that they're Henry and Katie are down there, it's like yes. the list of people piling up that I have to like see that now live in flag. I'm like, okay, well it, it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of people still moving to flag and um, I've helped a few of them buy places here and 
uh, it's an awesome place to be. And this time of year in particular, like coming into the fall season, just it's hard to beat it. You know, I think everybody experiences a good fall pretty much anywhere they are around the U.S. for the most part. But um, I really, really think there's something special about fall in Flagstaff. So I would, uh, I would right second <laughs> the notion. Yeah, for for yeah, like maybe a maybe a post. And, we're we're overdue for some sort of like uh, West vaguely West Coast trip. Um, but maybe maybe a post marathon deal uh, might, might be in order. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Awesome. Excuse. Yes, perfect excuse. Uh, although that my boyfriend's running JFK fifty, which is November, so maybe we'll have to wait till after November. But we'll okay. we'll see. Yeah. Uh, either way, uh, thanks so much for coming on. This has been super fun. Um, and enjoyed the conversation, uh, the marathon talk. Hopefully, since everybody, since all the majors are in the fall now, I feel like everybody's everybody I know is training for a marathon. So yeah, likewise. <laughs> Hopefully this uh this renovates with uh resonates with with people. But um yeah, thanks again and uh until next time, this has been Run Your Mouth. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. This episode was brought to you by the Under Armour All Out Mile. You can sign up at uaalloutmile.com slash runyourmouth. And don't forget to join the City of Smag team. Enjoy the race. Is changing. Hey, changing.